Well, I encourage you to grab your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. We are uh, in our final week of uh, a mini-series on our theology of worship. We started off uh, in Romans chapter 11, starting at verse 33, where Paul is at that point in his, uh, his letter to the Romans, where after 11 chapters, he has just said, okay, this is the holiness of God, this is the fallenness of mankind, our utter uh, brokenness, and there's nothing about us that pleases God. Because we are just broken, sinful, marred people. But through God's providence, God's love, God's care, He provided a way to redeem His people. And that was by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to provide a way for His people to have access to Him. And Paul is just sitting in this going, all these truths, all these truths. And then he comes to chapter 11 where he goes, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unscrutable are His judgments. How unsearchable are His ways. For who has known the mind of God? And who has ever been His counselor? And who has ever given Him a gift that He should be repaid? For from Him and to Him and through Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul just breaks out into this song, this doxology, this joy of just saying, listen, this is the greatness of God. This is, this is the beauty and the splendor and the love of God. He's amazing. And then Romans 12, he goes, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. For this is your spiritual act of worship. He didn't just say, offer your hearts. All Jesus wants is just your heart. He says, no, offer your whole self as worship. In Mark chapter 12, the question was asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, oh, I'll tell you what it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it. Two, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, Paul is saying, listen, Jesus has said this. It's found, even Moses, inspired by God, said, this is the essential peace of the gospel. Love God and love others. Love God, love others. And how do we love God? By offering ourselves, all of us. There is not one part of us that God says, you know what, I don't need that. God says, if you truly love me, you will offer your whole self in worship. And additionally, If you truly love me with the love that has been given to you from me, you will also love your neighbors. So this morning, in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 9, follow along with me. It says this, 
Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Show, seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to all, uh, give thought to, to do what is honorable in sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, avenge, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is hungry, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. So, Paul is just saying, listen, at the core of your theology of worship, your understanding of how you offer yourself, at the core of all of that is love. Love is central. It's out of the love of God. And, and Paul, without a doubt, is looking at, he, he is intentional in the word that he chose for love. There are at least three words that he could have used. And he chose in this instance to start off by saying, let your love be genuine. That word right there is agape. For some of you, you're going, you know, I've, I've never heard that, so what? It doesn't really mean anything. This word agape is the kind, is the word that describes a God-sized love. A God-sized love. It's the kind of love that, that God said, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son. It's a God-sized love. And I can't even imagine. I love my little boy, Bubba. Four years old, full of energy and excitement. And I can't imagine saying, you know, for the sake of the world, here's my son. Here's Isaac. But God so loved the world, a broken world, a world that turned its back on him. God loved that world that he gave his son. And Paul is saying, listen, with God-sized love, make sure that you love with a God-sized love. So far in Romans, all the references to agape have been focused on the love of God. We see it in Romans chapter 5, where God's love was demonstrated on the cross. We see it in Romans 5 again where it says that God poured out His love into our hearts. In Romans 8, it talks about how God 
doggedly refuses to let go of us with His love. And so the essence of Christian discipleship and Christian worship is on love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love. Why do we, as a, as a church, give up a Sunday, cancel church, and go serve a school, a public school? It's out of love. It's not hoping for something in return. We do it because of the love that's been given to us and has to be shown to others. Why do we give of our, our time, talents, and treasures? It's out of love. A love that has been given to us and therefore has to be reflected to each other and to this world. But he breaks it down a little bit more here. Starting at verse 9. Let your love be genuine. That word genuine comes from, in the Greek, hypocrites. So he's saying, don't don't let your love be like the hypocrites. And hypocrites, in their day and age, when they would hear that, they would see a play actor. Somebody who was on the stage wearing masks. And he would do one thing on the stage, but when off the stage, doing something totally different. And Paul's saying, let your love be absolutely true and genuine. Don't let it be like a hypocrite. The love of the church, the love of a Christian to another Christian, the love of a Christian to someone who is persecuting you, has got to be genuine. Our love cannot be done just on the stage It cannot be done just in the church building. It has got to be worked out everywhere that we go. Everywhere that we go. For our love is not a theater. Our love has got to belong and be worked out in the real world. And the reality is, is that our love and hypocrisy totally exclude one another. If if you look at um, John Murray said this quote, if love is the sum of virtue and hypocrisy the epitome of vice, what a contradiction to bring these together. Everything about our love has got to be true. And even in a, maybe some of you experience this in your own nuclear families. Families aren't always pretty, are they? Oh, none of you dared to nod. I see how it is here. Uh, I'll be honest about my family. There's, There's days, weeks, months, and years where I prefer not to go back to Iowa. And my wife will say, Amen. She'd much rather go back to her family. Because there's this, ah, man, tension, fighting, working out. But we are called to let our love be genuine and not be hypocritical. We have a powerful love from God. And we're called to share 
that love with others. But very quickly, he goes on to this next section where he says, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So we just hear this, love, your love must be genuine. But then all of a sudden he goes and says what? Basically, hate what is evil. Our our Christian love still hates what's evil. Because why? Not because we, we hate the world and we hate their systems. Because it is so broken. And the sin that remains keeps them away from the love of God. And we hate that. We hate it for the sake of the world. We hate it for the sake of God. We say, man, we hate this. And we work to be people who redeem culture, who change culture, who bring light to broken places. And therefore, what do we do? We hold fast or cling to what is good. So our love is still genuine. Our love, our allegiance is true to God and Him only. Therefore, because we are called to be holy as He is holy, we hate what is evil. We hate what is broken. But we work and cling to what is good and work for the redemption and the, re- the redeeming of creation around us. He moves on to say that we are to love one another with a brotherly affection. Love one another with this this tender, warm affection. Have you, how many of you have truly experienced that within the, the church? A deep, brotherly, familial, healthy, thank you Donna, love. Love one another with a brotherly affection. That's what the church is supposed to be like. The church local and the church universal. This love is to pervade with just family-like affections. As father to child, mother to child, brother to sister, brother to brother. We are supposed to love each other dearly. If you ever walk into a church where you don't see hugs and handshakes, tears and laughter, and you don't see people being brought into community... Something is dreadfully wrong. Our family needs to be marked with brotherly affection. When we come together for corporate worship, we should be looking out and just saying, okay, where are the Lickles? I haven't seen the Lickles. I've been so busy. I, where? Uh, I love the Lickles. And you look for them. You search them out. That's why I love small churches. Because I know... Almost everybody here, by name. And when somebody is missing, we can ask, where, where is that family? And I can tell you this morning, certain families that are missing and where they normally sit. And they'd be really freaked out if I told you who they are and where they sat. But we're called to be people who have just this brotherly Affection for one another. And we're supposed to be people at the end of verse 10 who outdo one another in showing honor. Now, can you imagine that? We are, we are just going to be, 
it's almost Paul is saying, listen, I, I want you to work hard at making a competition. You'll, we'll even get the, the, the gold foil stars and make little chart systems of who is going to outdo one another in showing honor. Imagine, brainstorm, think in, in your own head, how can we outdo honoring one another? It requires a tremendous amount of attention being paid to our, each other's lives, doesn't it? It means that I am just going to be looking very closely at her life and just saying, man, what are her, what are her gifts, her talents, her passions? What are her needs? What are ways that I can come alongside her and encourage her and point her to Jesus and do whatever I can? Could you imagine what a blessing that would be to her? And what would nat- naturally happen? The same thing. It pour out into her family, into her neighborhood, her workplace. Outdoing, honoring one another. I, I want to uphold you and just say, look at what God has done in you. Look what he's doing in you. Look at what God's going to be doing in you. This is wonderful. And not always doing it privately via email or card or phone call, but publicly saying, you know what? I, I just, I need to point these people out. I, I, I want to celebrate that. They are being faithful servants. We need to honor them as brothers and sisters in Christ. They're being faithful. Not that you aren't. But I really want to highlight this. Don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit. I like what the, how the RSV puts it. But be aglow with the Spirit. Be ablaze with the Spirit. And serve the Lord. Your zeal and your love for Jesus and being so ignited by the Holy Spirit, your service should just be radiant and bright and beautiful. Because of why? Again, your love that's been poured out to you. If there's a church that... And Miss you Day, there's times that I wonder about us. Are we slothful? Are we lazy in our zeal for the Lord? Is there something aglow about us and our service to the Lord? Is it informed by our love for the Lord? Questions we've got to struggle with. And he goes on to say, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. He's writing to a church that, that is pers- persecuted. And this hope is this constant expectation in Christ's return and His future glory, which is our source for joy. Our trust that He's coming again and His promises are true. Oh, come Lord Jesus, come. That's how Revelation ends. Come Lord Jesus, come. Oh, I can't wait for that day. And our hope is fixed on that. But we've got to be patient in our troubled times. Constantly patient. Trusting that God's provision, God's sovereignty, God's care is going to be poured out on me again. He loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. So I'm going to be patient in in these times of trials and tribulations. But I'm going to be constantly on my knees praying. Knowing that He loves me. He loves us. 
And then he says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute. Share. Give. Acts 2. So many, the, the, the younger generation looks at it and say, I just wish we were this Acts 2 church. I wish we could just live that way where everything that we had in common, we give and we give. I'd love to see it worked out. I'd, I'd love to see our church be that church. We talk, we give it a lot of lip service. But we're called to contribute to the needs of one another, the saints, generously, lovingly, carefully, intentionally, constantly giving. It can be giving spiritually. It can be giving emotionally. It can be giving relationally. But that does not get, exclude giving financially. He says to be generous. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And then he says to seek to show hospitality. It's basically, this, the section here is pursue hospitality. Pursue it. That means the homes that you live in are not yours for just housing yourself. Those are gifts from God to be pursuing hospitality. The Greek word here is to be a a lover of strangers. Not strange people. But to be lovers of strangers. Those who are disconnected. Those who 